Good morning, good morning. Welcome to everyone. I'm so glad to see everybody today. If you're visiting with us, we welcome you here. We're glad you're here. If you're online, we're glad you're watching online. And if you're here in person, of course, we're certainly glad that you're here this morning. Let's start with a wonderful Savior, and we're going to go straight to wonderful, merciful Savior, and Jesus is Lord. A wonderful Savior is Jesus my Lord, a wonderful Savior to me. He hides my soul in the cleft of the rock where rivers of pleasure I see. He hides my soul in the cleft of the rock that shadows a dry thirsty land. He hides my life in the depths of his love and covers me there with his hand and covers me there with his hand. A wonderful Savior is Jesus my Lord. He taketh my burden away. He holdeth me up and I shall not be Oh, 
church. It's good for us to gather of the Lord's people this morning to worship our Lord in spirit and in truth here at the West Irwin Church of Christ. If you're joining us online, we welcome you as well. We have a few updates on announcements that I'd like to make that undoubtedly most of y'all already know, but uh, you know that we lost our sister Virginia Dimmick this past Tuesday and her services were Thursday she was a great asset to this church, her and David both. She was a Bible class teacher for many, many years, and both of them took care and maintained our library, kept it organized and very functional. And she will be greatly missed. And our, our hearts and our go out to David and his family and our condolences to you, David. So um, we've lost a, a lot of our... Our good members over the past few years for a variety of different reasons and we miss every single one of them and it's kind of this time of year you get to thinking about the ones that have gone on to heaven and we miss all of them. Uh, I do want to on a lighter note thank all those that uh, were helping yesterday for the volunteers for the widow's luncheon and Connie Sublet and all of her team and all those that helped out uh, pass out poinsettias. We appreciate all of those people. It takes a lot of people to keep this church going. So thank you for that and thank you for all the other volunteers from Bible class teachers and everything else. It, it takes a lot of people to keep everything running smoothly around here. So it is December, so... Y'all really know why they stuck me up here today. So they stuck me up here today because next week's our end-of-year special contribution. So uh, they throw me under the bus every year, make me get up here and beg and plead for 
that's all right. I, I, you know, it's shady under there, quiet and everything else. So it's kind of my place to be. So we have, as you very well know, a finance committee who is uh, composed of Randy Turner, Matt Halls, Cody Abels, Morris Hallman, Gary Abels, and me just to kind of keep the peace with that group because it's a pretty rough group to deal with. So we have worked on the finances together with the elders this year, and uh, we're happy to announce that we have whittled our debt down to $175,000. And so that has been from a lot of prayers, a lot of continued giving from all of our members, those that even are not able to join us on Sundays for health reasons. And uh, y'all are be commended for that. But what we want to do here at the end of the year is we want to get rid of that. And uh, the Finance Committee and the elders also realize that debt is like having a noose around your neck and you become uh, a servant of those that you're indebted to. And we don't want to have that if we can at all possible avoid that. So next Sunday is our special contribution. And if your contribution is placed in the boxes before Bill gets up here, before Bill gets up here, hopefully we'll have a total for you before the end of the day. If you are online or if you are not here, if you could drop a check by this week and just write in the bottom of it, the memo section, special contribution, then it will be included in the total for next Sunday. So we really want to get this debt out of our way so that we can uh, move forward and get back to normal as best we can. So we have another uh, item that we've earmarked for our special contribution this year, and I don't know if uh, those that were here heard Kyle Butts and his presentation. And the Apologetics Press budget is really pretty small. It was kind of shocking how small their budget is, but they do a great work. And so they have been challenged by a, uh, I'm not sure what you call it, a group, a trust, or whatever in Texas. They are from Alabama, but uh, a matching gift up to, I think it's one hundred fifty or $250,000. So if we can give them some money out of our special contribution, it will be matched by this entity. And so whatever we give will actually have twice the effect. And so we look forward to giving them some part of that. We haven't come up with a number. We don't know what our contribution will be next week. So, uh, But we do want to because that is a phenomenal work. It is discrediting atheism, which is atheism is 180 degrees opposed to God. And so we always want to support efforts that promote God and his word and the Bible. And they have done a very good job with that. And so we want to extend our support to them as well. So that's next Sunday, if y'all remember that. And we will uh, see how far we can go to get rid of our debt and get back on our feet real well. So that will have everything here paid for and have hopefully a little money in the bank maybe. So if y'all will bow your heads, we'll pray and get started this morning. Dear God, we come before you acknowledging you that you are the creator of this universe, the creator of everything that we see and know, and there is no other God. 
We pray, dear Heavenly Father, for all those who have lost loved ones in this church family over the past year or so, because we have lost a, a lot of our very good people, and we miss them every day. Pray especially, dear Heavenly Father, for uh, David Dimick and his family with the loss this past week of Virginia. We pray that you will will comfort him and that we will also step up and comfort him as well. We pray, dear Heavenly Father, that you will help all of us always support each other through our, our losses and difficulties in this life because we all have the same goal, and that is to come and end up in heaven after this life is over. Dear Heavenly Father, you have told us to pray for our leaders in our country and our government, and we do want to do that, dear God. I want to pray especially for two men that I know personally who are men of God, Louis Gomert and Nathaniel Moran. We pray, dear Heavenly Father, that you will put a hedge around these men and so many others that are truly men of God that are serving this country. Pray, dear Heavenly Father, that you will keep the the evil one away from them because we recognize there are so many others that are aligned 180 degrees opposite of your will and your word. And when you're aligned 180 degrees opposite of you, dear God, that means that they are aligned with Satan. And we want to pray, dear Heavenly Father, that you will put roadblocks in front of their efforts at every turn that they make. Their efforts are to lead the good people of this nation away from you. We see, dear Heavenly Father, a lot of division that is being created from these same politicians because they are wanting to continue to stay in power because they have no ability to finance their living by any other method. We pray, dear Heavenly Father, that you will help us recognize what Satan looks like in the year 2021. Satan looks like efforts to create chaos by eliminating our police force, to create chaos by trying to eliminate the family unit, to try to eliminate you and your word from our society. We have to recognize, dear God, what Satan looks like so that we can defend against Satan. We pray, dear Heavenly Father, for strength. So all of this is in the name of Marxism, which tries to eliminate you from our world, eliminate the freedom of speech that we currently enjoy right here, right now at this pulpit, to eliminate the freedom of assembly and the ability to come together and worship you and to eliminate the ability of us to be able to defend ourselves with arms.
We pray, dear Heavenly Father, that we will see what Satan looks like in 2021 and years going forward. Rising people up in the streets against a few bad actors. Our civil servants, our peace officers. Yet there are no protests in Chicago today where nearly a thousand black and Hispanic people have been murdered. Or in Philadelphia where over 500 have as well this year, just this year. Pray to your Heavenly Father, we will see Satan, the wolf in sheep's clothing, and identify him so we can avoid him. So we can also strive to fight against the evil one. Pray, dear Heavenly Father, that you will help us walk through this world with our eyes open and understand the evil of mankind without you. We pray, dear Heavenly Father, that we will always seek to do your will, that we will always try to lead our families and lead our families in your word. Pray, dear Heavenly Father, for unity in this church, because with unity comes strength. We pray, dear Heavenly Father, that we will worship you this morning in truth and in spirit. We fail you often, dear Heavenly Father, and for that we're truly sorry, and we pray that you'll forgive us. In Jesus' name, amen. Boundless love, unending joy, this is my life, it's what I know, I can't Lionel was like an average father, grew up in a church, took his kids to church on a weekly basis, and like a lot of us have at some point in time fallen away from the church. His kids began to take a path that would send them down a, a reckless path that would end them up in jail, uh, but Lionel never gave up on them. So Lionel would visit his son, who after falling away from the church, by all practical means, uh, purposes, became a monster. So we know Lionel's son's name is Jeffrey Dahmer. Lionel eventually came back to the church, visited his son monthly at the maximum security prison uh, where Jeffrey was serving multiple, multiple life sentences for innocently killing 17-plus people and cannibalism and 
many other things that, again, earned him the term of a monster. Lionel never gave up on his son. Lionel never lost hope in his son. He never stopped loving his son. In fact, he would send him, on a pretty regular basis, um, things, literature, from Apologetics Press that we just talked about. And eventually, uh, if you've you've read anything about it, Jeffrey Dahmer, again the monster, um, found Christ and turned his life around. And the the prison guards, the people that were around him, actually said that it was a noticeable change, that he became from a monster to a normal person, normal being, uh, intelligent, would speak and talk about Christ on a regular basis. Think about that as we prepare for the Lord's Supper here. The fact that the table that we're sitting at, the God that we're communing with, is capable of, of saving a monster. Capable of saving someone who was a serial killer, who was a cannibal. Again, a monster. How capable is he of saving us? How capable is he of forgiving our sins? And if we can think and, and imagine that he can save and forgive those sins. Think about that as we, as we partake the Lord's Supper now. Let's pray. Father, we truly are grateful uh, for your son. We're grateful for the plan of salvation that allowed him to to come and die for us, to live amongst us, to set a life example by his life for us to follow. And Father, as we uh, reflected just a few minutes ago about the way and the things that you do, that you can save even people that we think are unsavable, and that you can uh, have a plan of salvation that actually would allow them to sit at the same table that I can sit at, Father, and commune with you and to remember what you've done for us. Father, I'm grateful for that plan. Father, I'm thankful for the body that was hung on that cross uh, that, that saves us, Father. As we partake of this bread, Father, that represents that body, I pray that we can do so in a manner that pleases you and that we can never forget and never stop sharing how much you've done for us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's pray. Father, the same way that we remember the body that was hung on that cross, we remember the blood that was shed from that cross, the blood that washes away our sins, the blood that uh, cleanses us. Father, I pray that we partake of this fruit of the vine in a way that would, would please you and that we can always remember how that blood does cleanse us. Thank you again for the gifts that you gave us on that cross. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So we've been challenged this morning for a special contribution next week, but we're also challenged every week to give a contribution, to give back, to give of our excess, to give of our means, to give of our time, uh, to give of our energy and our efforts, not just money. Uh, And we are supposed to give back what God has freely and openly given to us. Let's think about that as we pray. Father, you truly have given us everything. You've, You've blessed us beyond any other country in this world. You've blessed us beyond uh, any measure that we should that we want, Father. You've given us things that beyond our wants and our needs. And uh, Father, I just pray that right now we can think about what we give back to you. We can do so in a manner that pleases you. We can do so with joyful hearts. And Father, that we can give uh, without any boundaries on that. Father, I pray that the gifts that are given, the monies that are given, the time, energy, and efforts that are given will be multiplied. That you will take those and 
uh, use those things to further your kingdom, that you'll, uh, spread your, we can spread your word into our, our community here and abroad. Again, Father, bless us and bless what's given. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, it's time for the BLAST program. If you're involved in that, you're dismissed at this time. Everyone else, if you would, please stand with me and we'll sing Standing on the Promises. Standing on the promises of Christ my King, through eternal ages let His praises ring. Glory in the highest I will shout and sing, standing on the promises of God. Exciting time as we face the end of the year and as we look ahead to 2022 and beyond. Sounds weird saying that, doesn't it? 2022. Um, and here we are with great opportunities, with great challenges, and with a great sense of the presence of the Lord who has seen us through some difficult years and we know will uh, see us through the challenges that He has for us and the opportunities that He has for us. Uh, ahead. Who would have thought that our online services and streaming that we started before the pandemic would play such a key role uh, over the last couple of years? And yet it has. And we appreciate all of you who continue to very faithfully join us in our assembly through uh, our Facebook uh, pages, through our website and our online streaming, and then who may uh, come and join us later through our archives. We appreciate 
all of you so much. We love and appreciate everyone that's a part of this church family and uh, so many that are joining us in person week by week. We continue to see some that we haven't seen in a while, and that is always a great, great blessing uh, to have you present with us in our services. Um, We mentioned about the special contribution coming up next Sunday. I hope that you will prayerfully consider that. What a great, great blessing it would be for our church leaders and for all of our ministry leaders and for all of our church family uh, to see before January 1st, 2022, that debt is completely paid off. Uh, I am just optimistic enough to tell you that I firmly believe 100% Wade that is going to happen. I just believe that that is going to happen. And we have felt God's blessing, and this church has always risen to the occasion. And we're going to see some wonderful things that God will do through us and on us uh, in the weeks ahead, but also in this coming year and beyond. So I urge you to pray very much about that and to consider what you can do on that. Uh, We've mentioned several that are on our prayer list. You see that in the bulletin each week. You see that on our emails, on our app. Uh, One of those that we have just recently heard of is our brother, Davey Carter, who is in the hospital for a couple of days with COVID pneumonia. And so we want to remember Davey and Sonia and all of their family, especially as they deal with that and look forward to hearing of Davey's good Uh, recovery. Also, uh, one of our family members here, Jim Soup, shared with me, he'll be doing our closing prayer at the end of our service. Jim shared with me about uh, some friends of theirs that are going through some very difficult struggles. And at this time of year, of course, it just exacerbates some of that pain. So we uh, certainly want to be prayerful uh, for them. We continue to have great activities. We have lots of activities planned, a party for our age 50 and up this Thursday night, a holiday party uh, for all of our church family uh, this coming uh, week from tonight on Sunday night, uh, December 12th. We continue to have uh, a chapel class on uh, Sunday evenings. This week we'll uh, be talking tonight uh, some great and challenging and encouraging chapters of the Bible that speak about the father of the faithful. Uh, Father Abraham. And so we look forward to being able to share with that tonight. Donnie Carnathan is also having a Zoom class tonight, and we'll do those things again in two weeks uh, on December 19th. Also on the 19th, we'll be able to uh, go to some of our shut-ins homes and take small singing groups to share God's joy uh, with them. That will not be tonight. That will be in two weeks on December the 19th. So there's lots going on. I still have uh, the Daily Bible copies of that for $17, the very best daily Bible reading tool. If you're interested in that, I have uh, several of those still. Would love to be able to share that with you. Uh, That is a great, great tool. As I said, over the last few weeks, I have heard of some of our members who have read through the Bible, the whole Bible, over 50 times in their lives. Uh, I've talked to some who have said not only do they read through the Bible in a year, they read through it in a few different translations. Can I just tell you, I don't think I've ever done that. Uh, But I do enjoy reading through the Bible, and it is a great, great blessing. And this is a great tool. And, of course, there are many other daily Bible reading plans. As we think about 2022, what a great goal and resolution to make. This morning begins a new... Uh, sermon series entitled Welcoming Christ. 
What does it mean to welcome Christ? Well, we'll talk about that over the next uh, month or so. Uh, Over the next five weeks, we'll have four lessons counting today. Our youth minister, Tucker Sullivan, will be sharing uh, some thoughts next Sunday morning during our sermon time. Uh, And so I know you're looking forward to that. We'll be out of town, but look forward to hearing the great blessing that he uh, will share with you on Sunday. He's been such a wonderful addition to our staff. Um, uh, Tucker and Elizabeth have been such a wonderful part of our church family right away. Uh, Very deeply loved and very active, and we appreciate them so much. I know you'll want to hear his thoughts next Sunday. Uh, This Sunday and then the three Sundays following next week, we'll be sharing about welcoming Christ. We'll talk about welcoming His coming uh, the Sunday before um, uh, Christmas, and uh, we'll talk about some special things related to Mary and Joseph that day as they prepared uh, for the coming birth of the Lord. We'll talk about welcoming Christ's presence on the Sunday after Christmas, and we'll talk much about Uh, the reaction of those who were there right at his birth and shortly after. Uh, And then finally, on January the 2nd, the first Sunday of 2022, uh, we will share about welcoming Christ's return as we look ahead to his coming again. Today, it is welcoming Christ's forgiveness. What does it mean to welcome Christ? I think we're going to be sharing a lot about that. And I think it begins with this idea of welcoming his forgiveness. To welcome Christ's forgiveness means to accept it. To welcome Christ's forgiveness, it means to be obedient to his word. And to live a life of confidence and assurance. Not because of us, but because of him. We speak today in a manner that is a a great blessing to be able to share openly. Um, As our shepherd Wade Weathers shared earlier, we acknowledge that great scripture in 1 Timothy 2 where Paul exhorts Timothy to have people at his church pray. Pray for the governing leaders, the civil leaders, the ones you agree with, the ones you don't agree with. Actually, there's no comment made about that. He just says to pray for them. But from the perspective of praying for this, That whatever the political climate is, that we will be able to spread his gospel, to share his word. That there will be some sense of peace and order in society so that we can do that. Because we will do that, whether there are consequences or not. And Paul encourages Timothy to pray uh, that that can happen as best possible in this earthly life. And so that's what we're doing today. Today we begin this series with welcoming Christ's forgiveness. And we share what we believe are, is the teaching of Scripture. What we believe is God's will regarding forgiveness and salvation. We do not apologize for that. We do not soft-pedal it. We do not share it arrogantly. We do not share it from the perspective of we know more than you or we're better than you because of what we believe or what we've done. That is, as Wade, uh, borrow your term for a moment, that is 180 degrees opposite of what the teaching of Scripture is, to feel that way. But what we do is we trust in the Lord. And to trust in the Lord is to trust in His Word. And if we are going to trust in His Word, 
and uh, to have that great faith and assurance that we will talk about in just a few moments, then we must be welcoming Christ's forgiveness. So a few things about that today. First of all, receiving his forgiveness. That is what we call the response of faith. And you see a lot of scripture passages on your outline today. Hopefully you can access the outline online as well. There are scripture passages that you may want to look, look to. We're not going to turn to any of those in particular, but we are going to mention them. And they're very familiar to you anyway. But a reminder today of the response of faith, receiving Christ's forgiveness. In order to do that, first of all, we must believe. We must believe. Without faith, Hebrews 11 says, it is impossible to please God. That great scripture in John 3.16. The word of God saying that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. Jesus said in John 8.24, unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. That's a very exclusive statement. And yet it's not done in arrogance, it's done in love, and it's done in truth, because that's what it is. It is the truth. For us to share with people that there's some other way, then believing in Jesus Christ would be a lie, and it would be wrong. Mark tells us at the end of his gospel in Mark 16 that we are to go about and preach the gospel to every creature. The one who believes and is baptized shall be saved. The one who does not believe will be saved condemned. We must believe. Secondly, we must repent. That word literally means change. We must change. (laughs) We find ourselves away from God. We must change. And it's more than just changing one or two things in our lives. It's actually changing our goals, changing our priorities, changing our worldview sometimes, changing the path that we're on every time. Moving to a path that acknowledges that Jesus Christ is not just my Savior, but that He is my Lord. And as my Lord and Master, He calls the shots in my life. I voluntarily give that over to Him. And we see that through His wonderful Word. In Luke chapter 13, Jesus commenting on a story of news of their day of political leaders that had killed many of their own people, the Jews. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, unless you repent, you will also likewise perish. In Acts chapter 2, when those people of the Jews on the day of Pentecost heard the message of Jesus dying for their sins and realizing that the chief among their sins was they had just put the Son of God to death as a criminal on a cross. They are cut to the heart, and they ask, what do we do? And the answer came back in Acts 2, verse 38, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Oh, they believed all right, but they hadn't changed. And they were told to repent and to be baptized. As we read in the book of Acts, the gospel continuing to be spread Paul shares that great statement in Acts chapter 17, verse 30, that God commands all people everywhere to repent. Even in the middle of the Greek culture and the Greek gods, they were called to repent. To receive his forgiveness and respond in faith, we must believe and we must repent and we must confess. 
We must confess that these things have happened in my life. That I have come to believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. I have come to believe that he really lived, that he's really the son of God, and that he really died on the cross, and that God really raised him from the dead, and that he really lives today. And he is really coming back for those who have come to trust in him. And so we confess with our mouths, as Romans 10 says, Jesus is Lord. And we believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead. Because with the heart, we believe towards salvation. And with the mouth, we confess that faith that saves. In Acts chapter 8, as the Ethiopian official and uh, Philip the evangelist were traveling along, and Philip was teaching him the gospel, starting with Isaiah 53, talking to him about Jesus, talking to him about his death, burial, and resurrection, talking to him about the response of faith. The man himself saw some water as they were going along in the chariot, and, and it's the Ethiopian that raises the question, look, here's, here's water, why can't I be baptized? That's what we've been talking about, isn't it? That's how you respond in faith, isn't it? Can I do that? And, and Philip responds with this statement, and he says, well, if you believe, you might. Well, how will Philip know that he really believes unless he tells him? And so we are called upon to confess. At our baptism, it is more than just a getting wet. It is more than just jumping off the deep end of the pool. It is more than just being totally submerged in the bathtub. Baptism has spiritual significance. And that's what makes it different. And the way that we know that that's what's going on in this person's life is that they tell us they confess. To receive Christ's forgiveness, to respond in faith, and to welcome that forgiveness of Jesus Christ. We are to believe, we are to repent, we are to confess, and yes, we are to be baptized. That is the teaching of Scripture. It is not just Bill's opinion, it is not just what I have come to believe, what I have done in my own life, what most everyone in this room, many have as well, but rather it is what we understand the teaching of Scripture to be. And it's the teaching of Scripture that tells us what God's will is in the most objective fashion that is known to man. We are called to be baptized. Jesus, before he ascended, he told us to go into all the world and make disciples of every nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and continuing to teach them, continuing to disciple them, in Matthew 28. In Romans 6, as Paul writes to the church in the capital city of the empire, he reminds them of their baptism. Romans chapter 6 is not a passage on baptism. It's actually a passage on faithful Christian living. (laughs) And when someone raises the question that says, hey, we're saved by faith. We were saved by the blood of Christ. Why can't we just live any way we want? And Paul's response to that is because you were baptized. That's why. You died to sin. How can you live in it any longer? For everyone who was baptized has died to sin. They were buried with Christ through baptism into death. They were raised to live a new life. And that's why you live faithfully. That's why you love your neighbor. That's why you don't gossip and you don't envy. And you don't slander. That's why you live a life of faith. Why? Because you gave your life to Jesus. You died with him. You were raised with him. And now you live a new life as a child of God. 
Colossians 2 says much the same thing. In much the same context, how do we receive Christ as Lord? By trusting in his death, burial, and resurrection and being raised out of the watery grave of baptism to live a new and faithful life. In 1 Peter chapter 3, Peter reminds us that baptism is more than just taking a bath and washing off dirt from the flesh, but rather it's an act of faith, and it's an act of saving faith, an act that says, I trust in you, Jesus, in your death, burial, and resurrection for my salvation, not in myself, not in anything that I'm doing, including this act of being baptized. I'm not trusting in that. I am trusting in you, Lord. I'm trusting in that boundless love. And biblical faith is obedient faith. It seeks to know what God's will is, and it seeks to do that will. And so in that context, Peter makes that great statement in 1 Peter 3, baptism now saves you. Not the washing off of dirt and filth from the flesh, but the quest, the drive, the desire for a good conscience to be found faithful in the eyes of the Lord that can only be found through the death of Jesus Christ and the response of our faith. Again, we mention Acts chapter 2 and that great response of Peter and the other apostles, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. Before Philip goes and and has that interaction with the Ethiopian treasurer at the end of Acts chapter 8, earlier he had been in Samaria, that that district in between the southern part of of, uh, Judea, the southern part of Palestine where Jerusalem and Bethlehem are, and the northern part where Jesus had his home base, uh, where Capernaum was in the district of Galilee, Philip finds himself in Samaria, and he is teaching the Samaritans, and they're responding. And many of them, it says, are baptized into Jesus Christ. Then that great story of the Ethiopian treasurer stopping the chariot that he commanded to be obedient to the response of faith, to the words of the teaching that he had just heard, to be baptized into Jesus Christ. Christ. In Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas and Timothy are beginning the, what is Paul's third mission journey, as we call it. They find themselves in Europe. They find themselves in the city of Philippi. And as they're there, they go to this place that looks like it's a place of prayer. And sure enough, there's a bunch of faithful women there for prayer. And Paul preaches the gospel to them. And the first convert that we have recorded on the continent of Europe, responds to that call and is baptized in all of her household as well. That woman's name is Lydia. We still name our daughters sometimes Lydia after this great woman of faith. After her baptism, she pleads with them to come and stay at her house and very likely continued to be a financial supporter of Paul in his mission work. Later on in Acts 16, as you know, Paul and Silas are arrested. They're in the jail, and rather than feeling sorry for themselves or resentful because they're there under poor circumstances, they're singing praises to God. And when they have the chance to leave and don't, the jailer himself comes to them and says, what must I do to be saved? I have incarcerated you, and yet 
I'm the one that's imprisoned by my sin. You are the ones who are free in spite of being in jail. What must I do to be saved? And they tell him, believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved in all your family. And then they continue preaching the word of the Lord to them. And that exact hour of the night, that very same night, the jailer and all his family are baptized into Jesus Christ. And in Acts twenty two sixteen, as Paul is recounting the story of his conversion, that interaction with Jesus on the road to Damascus while he was going there to persecute the church, and then comes face to face with Jesus and is blinded at that sight. And here's the word of the Lord. Go into the city and you'll be told what you must do and what the response of faith is. And so he does. And he's there praying and fasting for three days and three nights. And finally, this Christian man very meekly comes to him, scared to death, <laughs> Ananias was, of going to Saul of Tarsus. But he goes to him with the message of God and the words of Jesus Christ. And he tells him, what are you waiting for, Saul? Get up and be baptized and wash your sins away. Here is a man who had seen Jesus face to face. Can't tell me he didn't believe. Here is a man who had been praying and fasting for three days. Can't tell me he didn't repent and pray. But his sins had not been washed away, according to Ananias. And he pleaded with him and he challenged him and he said, what are you waiting for? Get up and be baptized and wash your sins away. Not because there's power in the water, not because there's power in Ananias who baptized him, because there is power in the blood of Christ. That's what washes our sins away. All of this, of course, is based on the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Without it, It would just be an act of frustration. With it, it is the most powerful act we can do to respond in faith and welcome Christ's forgiveness. Secondly, this morning, we are called to be sharing his forgiveness. This is the witness of faith. In the beautiful story that Kelly told as we gathered around the table, what an amazing thing. A reminder that there is no one so out of touch with the Lord that his spirit can't come to them and convict them and use us to do it. And so we continue to pray and we continue to share, even though many times that may end in frustration and it may even end in persecution. Still, we share his forgiveness through the witness of faith. That's why Jesus gives the Great Commission in Matthew 28. That's why he tells us in Acts 1 to be his witnesses right where we are, and then in the surrounding area, and then to the very ends of the, of the earth. That's why we support great ministries like Apologetics Press, like Eastern European Mission, like so many others. The work in Central America. Why? Because we are called to share that forgiveness, not keep it to ourselves. It doesn't end with us. We share it with our neighbor and with anyone that we can find possible because we know, we know that someone who may have rejected that message the last time may be going through something different today. And they may be just right for being reminded of not just our love, but the love of Jesus Christ. And so Peter says, always be ready to give an answer to anyone who asks for the hope 
that you have. We live with hope. And then when that is so magnified because so many around us in our day and time are living hopeless, cynical, frustrated lives and they see something else in us and they say, look, (laughs) you don't have any more money than I do. You have all kinds of family issues like I do. How come you have hope? And so we tell them because of Jesus Christ. So we are ambassadors for Christ. We are ministers of reconciliation. As Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, pleading with people, be reconciled to God. But welcoming Christ's forgiveness finally today means accepting his forgiveness. And this is the assurance of faith. One of the saddest things for me, for our shepherds, for our other ministers, one of the saddest things that we experience are wonderful, trusting, faithful people who have responded in faith obediently to the word of God and the will of Christ and yet feel no security about their salvation. Welcoming Christ's forgiveness means accepting that forgiveness and that is the assurance of faith. We'll sing about it in just a few moments at the close of this service. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. And that's the key. If you're trusting in anything but Jesus, you will not have assurance of faith. We're reminded of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. So that in him, not in ourselves, in him, we might become the righteousness of God. If we walk in the light, John says in 1 John 1, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with each other And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all our sins, purifies us. We are constantly forgiven, not because we're so good, but because he's so good. Not because of the things that we've done, because of what he did, dying for our sins on the cross. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and righteous and will forgive us our sins, and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Finally, John in 1 John chapter 5 says, I'm sharing these things with you so that you will know that you are saved. Not arrogantly, not proudly, very humbly, very gratefully, very faithfully, assured of our salvation. Paul speaks so much to this in Romans 3. In Romans 5, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In Romans 8, there is no more condemnation for those who trust, who are in Christ Jesus, because we are more than conquerors. And so nothing, 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 not a pandemic, not a political party or leader, not financial issues, not health issues, not relationship issues, Nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Accepting that forgiveness, the assurance of faith. And so this morning as we close, let me tell you this. It is time to welcome Jesus and his forgiveness into your heart. If you have not done that, I beg you, I beg you to consider these words, to consider this scripture and to welcome Christ's forgiveness by responding in faith. 
towards the end of the Bible in Revelation 3, Jesus says, I am standing at the door and I am knocking. Open the door. Open the door for me, Jesus says. And I'll come in and I'll be with you and I'll eat with you and I'll never, ever leave you, ever. Come to me if you're weary and burdened, Jesus says in Matthew 11, and I will give you rest. Finally, in 2 Corinthians 6, Paul says, look, now's the time. Today's the day. There's no sense putting it off. If you've never come to Jesus, if you've never responded in faith, if you're having trouble trusting him and that salvation and finding that wonderful assurance of faith, if you have difficulty sharing that message and you want your brothers and sisters in Christ to pray for you, that's why we are here. If you've never come to Jesus, this great song, you don't have to come to him as something that you're not. You don't have to be something more than you are to come to Jesus just as I am. I come. If that's you today, do that as we sing this great song of faith. Just as I am Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. 
Would you bow with me? Father, we're so thankful for the forgiveness you've given us. So undeserving are we that you sent your son from heaven to hang on that cross, to be raised from that tomb, to defeat sin and Hades. As we go out in this world, we need to remind ourselves what evil is, what evil looks like, as Wade said. Because we are not of this world, Lord, and we're thankful for that, for we are just passing through. We're so grateful for this country that you've blessed us to be born in, to dwell in, to be free to worship you with freedom and in truth. And a place that we can come and gather together as saints of the Lord. And as we exit these doors into this world, we just ask that you put a hedge around us and keep us safe from the evil one. And be able to explain why we have hope. We ask that you bless this country, the leaders, that they will come back to the Bible and guide this country as it was founded. We ask you to protect the soldiers that protect this great country from tyranny and terrorism. Lord, and most of all, we ask you to guide the leaders of this church and the members in it, that we can continue to promote you and the world, your word throughout the world. We're thankful for your son and the many blessings that he bestows upon us and guide us through this entire week till we meet again. In Christ's name, amen.